Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We can't even recognize college football anymore. Uh, There's been tons of conference realignment news, and things are forever changed in the world of college football. And so we're going to discuss and give different thoughts on what the hell is going on with college football. It's never going to be the same. Growing up with our traditional Big Ten teams, our Big 12 teams, you know, ACC, SEC, Pac-12 is no longer a thing. Pop in the old NCAA game. For college football on your Xbox 360 and that conference on all of those are no longer a thing come next year. So let's talk about conference realignment uh, here on the Coach Steve Show. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We got to get those numbers up. Check out all the other videos. There's tons of interviews that are becoming out. And I mean tons. There's probably 20 or so being dropped every week. Uh, for the next 20 weeks, you're going to get a different take, uh, different talk. Uh, one of the latest ones is a talk with Coach Drinkle, Army, co-OC, listen to how they're changing their offense. But let's talk about the changes in college football. We already knew that Texas and Oklahoma were going to head to the SEC, and that's going to be taking effect next year. We already knew that. Then there was rumblings of who was going to join up in the Big Ten because it's been the SEC versus the Big Ten. Well, then you have USC and UCLA decide, hey, we're going to jump ship from the Pac-12, head over to the Big Ten. And this was groundbreaking because two teams all the way on the West Coast are now going to have to travel into the Midwest, all the way to the East Coast. Then they're going to have to play teams in the snow, a little bit up north, 
in the North Midwest, you know, in the likes of Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, they're going to have to play there. Obviously, all these decisions have been made by a football decision because football and the March Madness basketball, that's what drives everything. These TV deals, the guys pulling the strings behind the scenes, they're making the decisions and all the decision making is money. Money is what makes the world go round. It's one of the the phrases that we hate to hear. It's one of the phrases that we don't think really is true. You know, you know, we always talk about does money actually make you happy? You know, there's an argument to be made that more money equals, you know, more money, more problems. Well, it doesn't matter to some people. They want to make as much money as humanly possible. We never know how much money is too much money. So that's been the conference realignment. Then it was hush-hush. There was rumors and, you know, clickbait stuff to get people to talk, you know, to read something. It was fun to talk about when you're watching different sports podcasts. You can't really watch mainstream sports talks anymore. ESPN's going down the drain. I think Fox Sports is going down the drain. Those guys are slowly, they're not what they used to be. We're watching podcasts. It was fun to talk about who's going to be the next domino to fall. Who can join the Big Ten? What makes sense? Is any conference going to be destroyed due to this? And man, in a whirlwind the last couple days, everything has just exploded. And even today, as I sit here and record this, there was already a picture of two other teams. And we're sitting here going, what is going on here? Is it possible that this just continues? One of the first things we had was Colorado decided to join the Big 12. They were joining BYU um, and Cincinnati and UCF who were joining the Big 12 as well. They left their conference to join as well. That was kind of hush-hush because, you know, they don't look at those programs as, quote-unquote, your traditional Power 5 schools, everything like that. But the Big 12 had to add those teams because they're losing the big market of Oklahoma, even though they still have Oklahoma State, but losing Texas as well. And losing those type of teams, they had to add somebody. So to add BYU, to add Cincinnati, to add UCF, that's a no-brainer. Well, the Big 12 has – or the Colorado has decided to come back home. I think they started to see writing on the wall that people keep targeting these Pac-12 teams made the decision to to jump ship. What was the motive for them to go back to the Big 12? Geographically, yeah, a lot of teams right there. You look at a map, teams are right there. Not saying the Pac-12 was too much farther, but they could go play the likes of Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State, all right next door. BYU is right next door. Um, they only got to travel to maybe UC. You got to travel to UCF every other year. When you're thinking about football, basketball, they're thinking of all these different types of road games they've got to do. Geographically, probably made sense. And the Big 12 was going to have more money opportunities so far than the Pac-12 because again, everything, every decision is revolved around money, as we know. So that was one of the dominoes to take effect. They were going to go off to the Big 12. Then, huge dominoes started to fall. The Big 10 got bigger. Washington and Oregon have decided to join the Big 10 going into next year. 
Yes, Oregon and Washington. I thought this was cool, thinking way back in the day of if they were to join, it was going to be cool. And then you look at a map and you think about it logistically, as we're going to talk about here later, about certain coaches' comments. Um, <sighs> this is weird. It's weird because you're going to look at a map. Yeah, you have four West Coast teams, Northwest, the travel that they're going to have to do. So let's look at a map of the new Big Ten. So if you're watching the video, here's a new map. We have our traditionalists all in the Midwest towards the East Coast. The farthest West team we ever had was Nebraska. Then you had UCLA and USC. The positives of adding those teams were the Big Ten network now was going to be broadcasted from East Coast to West Coast. Now you can have it in California. UCLA and USC are big-time names and big-time markets in the Los Angeles area to get that TV dollars. That's what was going to happen. That was great about having them. Then recruiting. Now you are traveling. So now if you can recruit in California and you're Illinois, you're Purdue and Indiana, these Midwest teams... You could try to recruit out there. When you fly out there to go play these teams, coach can go talk to a player, can recruit. Pretty cool. Now you're adding Oregon and Washington. Look at the logistics of this. Now, obviously for football, it's every other year. But think about it. If you're Oregon and you got to go play, I mean, I don't know how scheduling-wise, because you could sit here and say, hey, for one year, you know, they can't go to Penn State and Rutgers and Maryland all in the same year. But you got to think about it from a Rutgers, Maryland, Penn State standpoint all the way on the East Coast. You're telling me that they got to travel all the way to the West Coast now. Like, th this is hugely logistical problems that you could see here. Football, it's every other year. So if you're Oregon, now you're not going to play every team. That's another thing that I have to remind myself and we all have to remind ourselves. They're not going to play every single team. But still, think about the flying. Think about all those things. Now they get the Oregon market. Now they're getting the Washington market. So they're just getting more and more money. Washington and Oregon are big-time programs. Think about recruiting for Oregon and Washington now. Now they're going to get into the Midwest as well. So recruiting-wise, it works all well for them. So that was another domino that fell. Well, then, immediately almost after this happened, you got Utah, Arizona State, Arizona, and Houston are deciding that they are going to join the Big 12 as well. So now let's look at another map here. Let's take a look at the brand new Big 12 map if you're watching the video. New Big 12 map. So you added USC, or UCF, excuse me, UCF, Cincinnati, and then you added BYU, then you added Colorado. Then within a day, you get Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Houston. The Big 12 looks great. People could say what they want about all those teams. Utah has won the Pac-12 for, what, two years in a row? They are underrated uh, with what they're doing there. They've won a lot of games. Very underrated program. UCF, people are sleeping on. This is going to be great for them in recruiting. Uh, Colorado with Deion Sanders and the group there, they're going to do good things this year, I promise you. And Arizona was starting to turn it around. Arizona State's on the mission of turning it around. This is going to be great. And travel-wise, the farthest you're going to have to go, Cincinnati and West Virginia, 
is kind of where they're going to have to travel in UCF. But if you think about it from a Big Ten perspective and that travel, this is nothing. So the Big 12 is trying to stay alive. It's trying to stay alive. Because we already know the SEC map. We don't need to look at that. It's been said they haven't had any teams since then. They've been talking about adding teams, which we're going to talk about two schools that are, may be on the move here soon. You know, this they're trying to stay alive. So I give the Big 12 credit. The Big 12 is sitting was sitting there going, hey, we got poached by the SEC. The Big 10 is adding teams. We are going to get poached. We've got to try to keep up and try to get teams no matter what. I mean, our, you could arguably say this, team, this conference could compete with maybe the Big 10 and SEC. You can't really say Big 10, SEC. Whatever. I mean, you just never know year in, year out when you – the game's not played on paper. You actually have to play the game. But it looks like SEC and the Big Ten are top dogs. ACC hasn't changed. So they know they had to try to stay alive. So out of these teams to help them stay alive. So you only now have four teams left in the Pac-12. Four. You got Oregon State, Washington State. You've got Stanford. And you got Cal. That is it. The Pac-12 has been dismantled. So now, what do you do if you're a Pac-12? Do you talk to the Big 12 and combine into a brand new conference, not called the Big 12, not called the Pac-12? You just come up with a brand new name? I personally don't see stuff like that happening because what's been the constant theme here? Money. Money is going to talk. Money rules all. Do you think the commissioner of the Pac-12 wants to give up their job? Like everybody that runs that, do you think they want to give up their jobs? If the Big 12 and Pac-12 can join, could all those head honchos, secretaries, people that run it, could they keep their jobs? I don't see that happening because normally when people merge into one thing, you become one conference. Not everybody there is going to keep their job. If you decide to combine... Who's going to control the TV deals? Is it going to be the Big 12 TV deals? Is it the Pac-12? Can you come together and talk and get one with Fox or ESPN? Because you've got the Big 10 network that's kind of moving away. You've got the SEC network that's moving it away. Things are just constantly in motion. And the people behind pulling strings are just pulling the strings are just average people and they are just TV producers. Because everything revolves around advertising money. And again, how much money is too much money? So remember this. this the presidents and the athletic directors, they're pulling, they're getting pressured about money. And they need money to keep up when you think about building your facilities. Now with name, image, and likeness, how can you stand out above all? How can the collectives get involved? Well, it involves the TV deals. It involves all of this. That's what makes it go round. So now, if you're the Pac-12, you're sitting there going, what in God's name are we going to do here? I don't know what they're going to do. There's a suggestion that they go to the Mountain West and see if they can't pull teams from there. But now you're in another pickle because, in my opinion... Again, if you went to the Big 12, try to combine into one, are you gonna, what name are you going to keep? Do you really think the Mountain West and the people running it want to give up their conference? 
to join that? Maybe. But those people that have their jobs, are they willing to give up their jobs for that? I don't know. Think about it if you were you. Here's a projected map of possible Pac-12 if they were to do this. To me, this doesn't look too bad. You keep Oregon State, Cal, Stanford, and Washington State. Boise State, who has been a winner for many, many, many years, they could join. Maybe you get South Dakota State or, uh, sorry, San Diego State, apologies. You get UNLV, get Colorado State, SMU, Rice, Tulane, and Memphis. This is a possibility when you're looking at geographical locations. This was just one of the possibilities. There's many other possibilities that you could type in. Just go on Twitter and type in, you know, Pac-12 new map, and you're going to find different maps. This is just one that caught my eye because then the farthest travel they're going to have to do is a little bit more to, you know, Louisiana, Memphis, a little bit of Texas, but they could still maybe keep the Pac-12. But is this going to bring the TV dollars? Can they still get a contract with ESPN or Fox or whatever it is? Are they still going to be able to bring in money? Are you still going to be able to get the same revenue? I don't know, but this is one way to keep it alive. But now you're taking teams from other conferences. All those conferences are going to have to break up. So at some point, a conference is going to have to disappear. So the question becomes what one's going to disappear. Are we going to go from a power five to a power four? As of right now, that's what it looks like to have Big Ten, SEC, the Big 12 is trying to stay alive. And right now it looks like they are going to stay alive. The ACC has not had anybody move, hasn't been budged. But I have a feeling, I just have a feeling, those four in the Pac-12 are going to have to talk and say, do we just call the Big 12? And say, can we just come along? And if you do that, you're going to destroy the Pac-12. But, hey, I'm telling you right now, people are mad because of tradition and playing certain rivals. I understand getting rid of the rivals is a pain. That tradition part, I understand. Now, can you schedule them non-conference? There has to be a way that you can work around that. Traditions has been thrown out the window with this conference realignment. And sometimes traditions have to be broken. I'm more for the tradition of playing your rival. You're always going to have Michigan, Ohio State. You can never imagine them being broken. You're always going to have Arizona and Arizona State because now they're traveling with each other. Could Oklahoma still schedule Oklahoma State as a rival? They can. you got to look at scheduling and allow people to do that. But it's also up to the schools instead of going to schedule a team that maybe you're going to beat to go schedule these rival games so we could still keep those around. But ultimately, sometimes traditions need to be broken. That's better meant for your school, better meant for the programs. That's kind of what's been rolling the ball here. The next conference that's going to get poached is the ACC, I promise you. Now, there's two things being talked about as I record this. One, those four schools all the way on the East Coast that are still part of the Pac-12 or now the Pac-4 are in talks reportedly with the ACC to say, can us four join you? Which means, does the Big 12 not even want them? It would make more sense to join the Big 12. But it's possible the ACC decides to do that, so that way they get the East Coast exposure. But then you're talking about the travel logistics of that too. Everything is about, you have to talk about travel logistics, which they have not talked about much with this conference realignment. And I'm going to get to that at the end when you 
talk about the, the travel logistics for other sports. That's the next one. And then there was a picture posted of the Clemson helmet and the Florida State helmet. It has been rumored that they could join the Big Ten. The Big Ten's not done. I, I have a feeling. Now, it could be flip-flopped. You could see Florida State and Clemson because maybe the SEC, I guarantee you the SEC is looking at this going, hmm, we said we were done, but we're not going to be done. we got to keep up with the Big Ten. So does Clemson decide to go to – and Florida State decide to go to the SEC? I, I don't see Florida State doing well in the SEC if they decide to go. I almost see them doing okay in the Big Ten. Got to look at travel, but – I think they would fit better in there. Clemson, I feel like, could fit better in the SEC. They're already in the South. They look like an SEC team. They get they just get those kids from the South. You look at the size of them. They look like an SEC team. But is it possible that they join the Big Ten? It's just a wait and see. We'll see if they are a good fit for that. But the ACC now is going to have to get, you know, is the Big Ten, the ACC, going to merge? Because a lot of those teams, if you're talking about East Coast already, they're already there. Pittsburgh, Syracuse, those schools, like North Carolina. I just have a feeling it's going to go from a power five to maybe a power three to maybe a power four. I don't know if we're going to have a power five anymore. Then you're going to have your other sub power five conferences still around. But it's just a crazy time in college sports. To get to one of the to one of the last parts is when they decide to do this conference realignment, everything gets pushed by football because football is going to bring in the big time money. Basketball still brings in money, especially when you get into the March Madness and, and everything else in that realm. But football, you know, is is king. It's king. Did they think about the travel logistics of all these other sports? So if you're Washington, Oregon, UCLA, and USC, you have to travel for football all, a lot. Now, can you get or can Washington possibly schedule Oregon, UCLA, and UC somewhere in there? So those four always play each other all the time. So they are always traveling. Maybe, but I just don't see it working out that way. But think about if you're a basketball school. Or for basketball. Think about it for basketball. UCLA traveling to Nebraska to play. Then maybe two days later, they have to go to Maryland. Then they got to get back to UCLA. Your Penn State, you got to fly to Washington to play them in basketball. Then a couple days later, you go to Nebraska. Then you come back home to play at home. Then a week later, maybe you got to go to USC. That's a lot of travel. And if those other, if the Pac-4 decide to join the ACC, same thing. The Big 12 logistics look better. Baseball, softball, volleyball. Think about all that travel. And the thing I don't think people realize is they're student athletes. Yes, name, image, and likeness is paying them. But regardless... They still have to fall under the NCAA rules and the school's rules of GPA, passing classes, and they have to go to school. What if they get in at 4 in the morning from this travel, and then the next day they got to go to class, and their class is at 8 a.m.? Oh, well, they'll just get a waiver. Not, 
They get waivers to miss class because they're gone, but once they're on campus, they got to go to class. And athletes have a much structured class because they got to go to practice. They got to have meetings. Sometimes they get classes at night because that's the only time it's available and the coaches work around them. Us that were regular Joe Schmoes going to class, we could have a class at 11 o'clock and maybe one and two. They got to have them in the mornings because they got morning workouts. They're going to have meetings later on. They try to have the classes. Like It's almost like when you become an athlete, your high school career still continues from a class standpoint. That's what Think about that. And so a couple of coaches have been outspoken about this when it comes to mental health. So at Missouri, Coach uh, Drinkowitz, I always say his name wrong, head coach of Missouri, he, uh, he sounded off about this. He had this big speech. And we're going to read it, but people have already seen it. Um, He said, all right, well, I'll just say it. He said, I thought the transfer window, the portal was closed. Oh, that's just for the student athletes. The adults in the room get to do whatever they want, apparently. And when he said that, people went on Twitter and talked about this. He's talking about when the transfer portal is closed, they can't enter the transfer portal anymore. And and once they're in there, they're in there. And they they may not have a home. He's treating this conference realignment as a transfer portal. Like, should there only be there should should there be a window of doing this? Now, the contradict to this is coaches leave now too, and that's why the transfer portal I think has been so crazy because coaches send send to leave whatever they want, and you know for a bigger contract or they just want to go somewhere else, and that's why people are fighting for the student athlete with the transfer portal stuff. I get it. There has to be some type of way to make it fair. I understand that, but I see what he's saying here. Then he goes on to say, and it's just sad that there's, look, my question is, did we count the cost? I'm not talking about financial cost. I'm talking, did we count the cost for the student-athletes involved in the decision? What cost is it to those student-athletes? We're talking about a football decision, which it is. It's based on football. But what about softball and baseball who have to travel cross-country? Did we ask about the cost of them? Do we know that the number one indicator or symptom or cause of mental health is? It's lack of rest and lack of sleep. Traveling in those baseball, softball games, those people, they travel commercial and they get done playing at 4 p.m. They got to go to the airport, come back, and it's 3 or 4 in the morning. They got to go to class. Did we ask any of them? Are we going to look back? Then he says, I don't worry about the game of football. The game of football is strong, it's going to be fine. We always figure it out when it comes to football. But did we consider that the people that we entrusted and considered the student athlete because we're asking them to go out on their own and get name, image, and likeness. We didn't say we weren't going to revenue share. We're not saying they're getting a piece of it. So that's the thing that's bothering me right now is the whole situation is we keep trying to limit what the student athlete can do, but then we act on our own. And everybody's got their own reasons. And I'm not questioning those. I'm saying as a collective group, Have we asked ourselves, what's it going to cost a student-athlete? He said he saw on Twitter several Pac-12 student-athletes talking about the reasons why they choose their school and what was so important to their parents didn't have to travel. They chose a local school so they could be regionally associated so that their parents could watch them play and not have to travel. Did we speak to them if they wanted to travel from East Coast to West Coast? You're talking about volleyball, baseball, softball, track, and all those other sports. They don't get they don't get they're not fortunate to travel like the way we do in football all the time. Football's fine. 
Still, did we count the cost of collateral damage for everybody else? I don't know. Only time will tell, but that's my biggest thought looking at this 24 hours later. I don't think we did. A lot to take in there. Like I said, think about the logistics of travel for baseball, for softball, track and field, even basketball. Like, you got to look at them too. Swimming, rugby, you know, whatever it is. Then they got to go to class. Are they not going to get enough sleep? Are they not going to get enough rest? Is there going to be, you know, a toll on them for traveling all the time? Then they talk about parents. If you think about logistically for the Pac-12, if they chose to go to Oregon, they can drive up to Washington, they can drive down to California and watch. Now, can they watch every single game? No. But, you know, they are able to watch more than not. Now, if they're not going to play those schools and they got to travel away to the East Coast, well, parents can't afford that. You're telling me that they can afford to fly like that all the time? No. These are things I don't think people thought about. And he made a good point. The people making the decisions, it's about money. I said this. It's people with the TV contracts, people in the background controlling everything. And that's what it's all about is money. So a lot to take in there about the mental health. He's not the only coach to talk about mental health. Lane Kiffin is the first Division I football program, I believe, to start um, working about mental health with student-athletes. So he came out and talked about this. I think it's really sad for fans that want to travel to games, and we're just talking about football here. Let's talk about all the other sports that now you have to fly across the country. They play on weekdays. They get back at 4 in the morning. They're going to have to go to school. Parents aren't going to be able to see nearly as many games. So, Lane Kiffin said the same thing. He pointed towards financial consideration as the reason for the decision. According to reporting from The Athletic, Oregon and Washington initially received $30 million in annual shares of the Big Ten media rights. Half of what the other programs in the conference will make. That total will increase by $1 million every year until the completion of the conference's new TV deal and various networks. Hmm. According to Mark Fowler of the Arizona Republic, the four new Big 12 programs, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, are expected to receive roughly $30 million TV revenue from the conference. That's not for the betterment of the student-athlete at all, Lane Kiffin said. But it is what it is. It's about the money. And in his, I hope nobody gets on these 17 to 18-year-olds that make decisions based off a of name, image, and likeness. Money when all these universities are doing it. And it's just the tradition part. You're talking about 100 years of tradition just washed up for some more money. So that's an interesting thing there. Think about it. I hope nobody will get on these young kids, these 17, 18-year-olds, to make the decision off of name, image, and likeness money because universities are making decisions to get money themselves. That's that's the crazy part. I don't think a kid should show up to the, you know, I'm not going to say who. I have a lot of interviews coming out with some college football coaches. I won't say who, and it's not recorded. But I get told, don't one, never trust the media on everything, and we know that, politically, sports, wide world. Can't trust everything we see and read all the time, especially with ESPN and Fox Sports. Go straight to the source. You really want to know what's happening with name, image, and likeness. You really want to know what's going on with recruiting. 
go go message a college football coach and they will tell you. Kids will show up on campus and the first thing out of their mouth is, how much money are you are you going to give me because of their name, image, and likeness? Now, the school can't pay them. They can't, like, that's the first thing. It used to be when you were getting recruited, it was the tradition of the school. What does the school look like? Uh, you know, the, what's the weight room look like? How many fields you got? You know, how's the weight room? That stuff's still important, but now for some, it's how much money am I going to make? So what Lane Kiffin is saying is we're talking about mental health, but we're also talking about we're complaining about these kids worried about how much money they're going to make and not the tradition of the school, but then the universities and colleges are making decisions off of money. So it's just a weird time we're living in. And Lane Kiffin's talking about mental health as well. And I know mental health is a weird thing to talk about. Some people out there say that mental health... People saying that they have mental health is an excuse. It's not real. It's a way for them to get out of something and just just suck it up and, and work through it. And to an extent, there are some people that do that. They fake that they have a mental illness and they'll use an excuse. Absolutely, they do. But if you think about how times have changed, has this always been a problem and we just have never addressed it? Or has things changed enough in the environment around us that has caused more young people to have different mental health issues, especially during the COVID times when we're locked up inside? So think about what has changed. You know, we all grew up with phone, co- cords on our phone. The first cordless phone was Game Changer. We had MySpace. We had iPods. We didn't have touchscreen phones. To get on the internet cost money and minutes. It was never thought about. We didn't really have social media. Think about everything that has turned. We didn't grow up with it, so how can we sit here and say, this doesn't cause mental health? Do we know what the home lives are like? How has the home lives changed? Yeah, there's times, mental health-wise, to suck it up. I get it. There's, you know, we talk about mental toughness. <laughs> Excuse me. Mental health is a real thing. There's different levels. So we talk about being mentally tough. There's a difference between being mentally tough when you're losing a football game. How do you overcome this as a group and as a team? There's a difference between that. There's a difference between that and a difference with traveling, getting three hours of sleep, studying for two years of doing this, and then eventually you have a mental breakdown because you can't process things, you don't know how to work things, you're too worried to talk to somebody about it. There's a difference between those type of things. So there's a limit of sucking it up, moving through it, which we all got told to do, than this mental health thing to where they just have to talk through it. Think about as a coach. We always tell kids, our door's open. Come talk to us about anything. And I don't care if you call people soft. If a kid just wants to come talk to you and talk through maybe their homework with you, that helps them mentally. If they just want to come talk to you about the vacation they took and they went to whatever state and did whatever because mentally they just feel like they want to talk to you about it, awesome. They want to come tell you how they played Call of Duty. I really don't care. That's what it comes down to. So things are made about money. The mental health thing we have to be careful with because there are kids that take advantage and say, oh, my mental health and everything else. And if we know everything about the kid, yeah, they do it to slide by and, you know, all that stupid, not stupid stuff, all those things. But there are some that eventually 
Mental health is a big thing because they don't know how to process things mentally. They don't know how to handle talking to an adult. And we can't sit here and just say, suck it up, suck it up, suck it up, because we all have different environments. We all have different ways of growing up. We all have different home lives. And then social media is a big thing. You know, the kids are afraid of failure. They're afraid of looking bad. And it's because if someone takes a picture of them and puts it on Twitter, Facebook, or mainly Snapchat, I guess, because it goes out to more people that way, then they look bad, then they get embarrassed, and and they don't want to put themselves out there, and they don't know how to work through it anymore. And because social media, somebody can come on there and say, well, you look stupid, you look dumb, you look fat, oh, that's your haircut. And eventually, you know, I know that seems soft to some people because some people grew up in the hood, and they've been shot at, they've seen people get killed. And mentally right now they're okay. And maybe because they had good support systems around. Maybe they just have that mentality of that doesn't bother them. But we're all just different. And we have to make sure that we address that. And understand when we're getting played by a kid. Because I've seen social workers, counselors get played by a kid. I'm like, you fell for that. But there are some that truly need it. And I think when you... And I'm getting off on a tangent. But when you look at the college athlete... And this, you know, maybe it works out. Maybe the travel logistics get worked out. But just from the outside looking in perspective right now, it doesn't look good. But they're going to roll with it. They're going to adapt. They're going to adjust. They're going to be tough. These coaches are going to roll with it. Um, and, and, you know, talking to college coaches, they have to adapt. They have to be positive about the changes that happen because it doesn't do any good to complain about it. You can have conversations, but ultimately – you know, mental health isn't looking good, you know, and only time will tell. But, you know, that that's it for this conference realignment talk. Uh, make sure you guys like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow and rate on Apple and iTunes. Leave a review if you can. Please check out all the affiliates. Leave a comment in the comment section down below as well. Um, be ready for some interviews with some high school and college coaches coming out. They are fantastic talks. Um, it's the Joe Rogan sports style. So we do talk some scheme leadership, what culture means, but we also just kind of have a good conversation, which has been fantastic. Built a lot of good relationships, very blessed in that aspect. Um, so check all that stuff out when they get released. So you have to be like, and subscribe so you can see when they're released. Um, thank you guys for watching and or listening. This is coach Steve and we'll see you guys next time.